part one chapter two section three of the possessed by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter two section three at last the interview with the governor took place too our dear mild ivan osipovitch had only just returned and only just had time to hear the angry complaint from the club there was no doubt that something must be done but he was troubled the hospitable old man seemed also rather afraid of his young kinsman he made up his mind however to induce him to apologize to the club and to his victim in satisfactory form and if required by letter and then to persuade him to leave us for a time travelling for instance to improve his mind in italy or in fact anywhere abroad in the waiting-room in which on this occasion he received nikolai vsyevolodovitch who had been at other times privileged as a relation to wander all over the house unchecked alyosha telyotnikov a clerk of refined manners who was also a member of the governor's household was sitting in a corner opening envelopes at a table and in the next room at the window nearest to the door a stout and sturdy colonel a former friend and colleague of the governor was sitting alone reading the golos paying no attention of course to what was taking place in the waiting-room in fact he had his back turned ivan osipovitch approached the subject in a roundabout way almost in a whisper but kept getting a little muddled nikolai looked anything but cordial not at all as a relation should he was pale and sat looking down and continually moving his eyebrows as though trying to control acute pain you have a kind heart and a generous one nicholas the old man put in among other things you're a man of great culture you've grown up in the highest circles and here too your behaviour has hitherto been a model which has been a great consolation to your mother who is so precious to all of us and now again everything has appeared in such an unaccountable light so detrimental to all i speak as a friend of your family as an old man who loves you sincerely and a relation at whose words you cannot take offence tell me what drives you to such reckless proceedings so contrary to all accepted rules and habits what can be the meaning of such acts which seem almost like outbreaks of delirium nikolai listened with vexation and impatience all at once there was a gleam of something sly and mocking in his eyes i'll tell you what drives me to it he said sullenly and looking round him he bent down to ivan osipovitch's ear the refined alyosha telyotnikov moved three steps farther away towards the window and the colonel coughed over the golos poor ivan osipovitch hurriedly and trustfully inclined his ear he was exceedingly curious and then something utterly incredible though on the other side only too unmistakable took place the old man suddenly felt that instead of telling him some interesting secret nikolai had seized the upper part of his ear between his teeth and was nipping it rather hard he shuddered and breath failed him nikolas this is beyond a joke he moaned mechanically in a voice not his own alyosha and the colonel had not yet grasped the situation besides they couldn't see and fancied up to the end that the two were whispering together and yet the old man's desperate face alarmed them they looked at one another with wide-open eyes not knowing whether to rush to his assistance as agreed or to wait nikolai noticed this perhaps and bit the harder nikolas nikolas his victim moaned again come you've had your joke that's enough 
in another moment the poor governor would certainly have died of terror but the monster had mercy on him and let go his ear the old man's deadly terror lasted for a full minute and it was followed by a sort of fit within half an hour nikolai was arrested and removed for the time to the guard-room where he was confined in a special cell with a special sentinel at the door this decision was a harsh one but our mild governor was so angry that he was prepared to take the responsibility even if he had to face varvara petrovna to the general amazement when this lady arrived at the governor's in haste and in nervous irritation to discuss the matter with him at once she was refused admittance whereupon without getting out of the carriage she returned home unable to believe her senses and at last everything was explained at two o'clock in the morning the prisoner who had till then been calm and had even slept suddenly became noisy began furiously beating on the door with his fists with unnatural strength wrenched the iron grating off the door broke the window and cut his hands all over when the officer on duty ran with a detachment of men and the keys and ordered the cell to be opened that they might rush in and bind the maniac it appeared that he was suffering from acute brain fever he was taken home to his mother everything was explained at once all our three doctors gave it as their opinion that the patient might well have been in a delirious state for three days before and that though he might have apparently been in possession of full consciousness and cunning yet he might have been deprived of common sense and will which was indeed borne out by the facts so it turned out that liputin had guessed the truth sooner than any one ivan osipovitch who was a man of delicacy and feeling was completely abashed but what was striking was that he too had considered nikolai vsevolodovitch capable of any mad action even when in the full possession of his faculties at the club too people were ashamed and wondered how it was they had failed to see the elephant and had missed the only explanation of all these marvels there were of course sceptics among them but they could not long maintain their position nikolai was in bed for more than two months a famous doctor was summoned from moscow for a consultation the whole town called on varvara petrovna she forgave them when in the spring nikolai had completely recovered and assented without discussion to his mother's proposal that he should go for a tour to italy she begged him further to pay visits of farewell to all the neighbours and so far as possible to apologise where necessary nikolai agreed with great alacrity it became known at the club that he had had a most delicate explanation with pyotr pavlovitch gaganov at the house of the latter who had been completely satisfied with his apology as he went round to pay these calls nikolai was very grave and even gloomy every one appeared to receive him sympathetically but everybody seemed embarrassed and glad that he was going to italy ivan osipovitch was positively tearful but was for some reason unable to bring himself to embrace him even at the final leave-taking it is true that some of us retained the conviction that the scamp had simply been making fun of us and that the illness was neither here nor there he went to see liputin too tell me he said how could you guess beforehand what i should say about your sense and prime agafya with an answer to it why laughed liputin it was because i recognised that you were a clever man and so i foresaw what your answer would be anyway it was a remarkable coincidence but excuse me did you consider me a sensible man and not insane when you sent agafya for the cleverest and most rational and i only pretended to believe that you were insane 
and you guessed at once what was in my mind and sent a testimonial to my wit through agafya well there you're well there you're a little mistaken i really was unwell muttered nikolai vsyevolodovitch frowning bah he cried do you suppose i'm capable of attacking people when i'm in my senses what object would there be in it liputin shrank together and didn't know what to answer nikolai turned pale or at least so it seemed to liputin you have a very peculiar way of looking at things anyhow nikolai went on but as for agafya i understand of course that you simply sent her to be rude to me i couldn't challenge you to a duel could i oh no of course i seem to have heard that you're not fond of duels why borrow from the french said liputin doubling up again you're for nationalism then liputin shrank into himself more than ever bah bah what do i see cried nicholas noticing a volume of considérant in the most conspicuous place on the table you don't mean to say you're a fourierist i'm afraid you must be and isn't this too borrowing from the french he laughed tapping the book with his finger no that's not taken from the french liputin cried with positive fury jumping up from his chair that is taken from the universal language of humanity not simply from the french from the language of the universal social republic and harmony of mankind let me tell you not simply from the french foo hang it all there's no such language laughed nikolai sometimes a trifle will catch the attention and exclusively absorb it for a time most of what i have to tell of young stavrogin will come later but i will note now as a curious fact that of all the impressions made on him by his stay in our town the one most sharply imprinted on his memory was the unsightly and almost abject figure of the little provincial official the coarse and jealous family despot the miserly money-lender who picked up the candle-ends and scraps left from dinner and was at the same time a passionate believer in some visionary future social harmony who at night gloated in ecstasies over fantastic pictures of a future phalanstery in the approaching realization of which in russia and in our province he believed as firmly as in his own existence and in the very place where he had saved up to buy himself a little home where he had married for the second time getting a dowry with his bride where perhaps for a hundred miles round there was not one man himself included who was the very least like a future member of the universal human republic and social harmony god knows how these people come to exist nikolai wondered recalling sometimes the unlooked-for fourierist end of chapter two section three recording by expatriate in bangor maine